biggest piece of advice is, you know, people talk a lot about balance and all these things. You know, I think it's about getting really, really clear on what matters most to you. And then having the discipline and the courage to live into that. And that's the hardest part. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to get really clear on what matters most. But once you do that, that now you have to have the confidence and the courage to hit the no button. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that keynote. No, I'm not going to go to that, that sporting event. No, I'm not going to do that because my daughter has a play that day and I want to be there. Are you ready to decide it's your turn to live your most purposeful, profitable, passionate life? I'm Christina LeCure, former professional golfer turned confidence and success coach. I truly believe every one of us was put here for a God-given purpose, and it is our responsibility to live that fully. For well over a decade now, I've been turning my life as well as countless others around from feeling unworthy, incompetent, and without a purpose to living a life I cannot wait to wake up for even on days when shit hits the fan. And it all started with a decision. Yeah, you heard that right. I said God and shit in the same sentence. So clearly this won't be your typical podcast, but what I can assure you is that each week, myself and my guests are going to enlighten you, fire you up and having you walk away with stories and strategies to not only boost your confidence, but give you hope that at any moment in time, you have the power to decide it's your turn. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. I'm unbelievably excited for today's guest, total girl crush, if I'm honest with you. Molly Fletcher joins me. You may or may not know her, but she is one of the country's most sought after leadership and motivational speakers. She was actually dubbed the female Jerry Maguire, where she was a sports agent for over 20 years. Today's conversation was phenomenal. We talked about everything from the secrets of a champion's mindset how she balances work-life relationships, what her favorite interview and her most memorable moment in sports was. You guys are going to absolutely love today's conversation. I know I did. This woman was such a treat to talk to. Okay, y'all, I'm super stoked for today's podcast. Molly Fletcher is joining me. She is one of the most influential leadership experts in the country. She was dubbed the uh, female former uh, Jerry Maguire sports agent in her past. And now she is uh, the host of Game Changers podcast, as well as being one of the most sought after speakers in the country. I'm so excited for you to be here today, Molly. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Let's have fun. This is great. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to kind of start with a question that I think is really helpful after all of the years of working with amazing humans, interviewing some of the most successful people on the planet. Do you believe there's a certain trait that most successful people have? And if so, what are they? Wow. Yes. I mean, I, I do, <laughs> you know, and, and that was what was so cool as an agent. I had a front row seat to peak performance. I mean, I had a front row seat to the mindset of the best athletes and coaches in the world and, and not, not just how they did what they did, right? Like the world would see, as you know, you know, somebody stand over a putt on a Sunday and win a good, you know, drain it to win a golf tournament. I mean, the world would see coaches make tough calls to win, to win, you know, last minute games. But I saw all the little things, right? All the little things that go into the ability to execute in that moment. And so, you know, they have a very clear purpose, which I know, Christina, you believe in too, but they have a really clear purpose because you've got to know why you're doing what you're doing, because if you're going to get after it at that level, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. So you've got to be able to put in the work. 
I, I think they're insatiably curious people. They're always, you know, trying to get a little bit better. They're constantly learning. They love feedback. You know, I, I think, and I gave a TED talk recently on this. I think the best ones, you know, the, the good ones, I should say, they compete against other people. But I think the best ones actually compete against themselves. They wake up every day and want to get just a little bit better every single day. And, and they don't chase achievement per se, because that's fleeting. They chase this idea of, of kicking it up a notch a little bit every single day. So mindset, curiosity, discipline. I think you know the best athletes in the world manage their energy probably more than their time. Again, something you could can, can probably relate to, right? I mean, the best of the best don't ask themselves, where am I going to spend my time? Tom Brady, that's not what he thinks about. He thinks about where am I going to spend my energy to get the outcome I want most? So they're remarkably intentional. Those are a few things that come up for me, but as you can imagine, right? I mean, the ingredients of, of the Serena's, of the LeBron's, of the Brady's of the world, they're, they're, uh, they're very similar, but it goes deep and wide. Yeah, I love that. The TED Talk, you guys, I've listened to it numerous times, Secrets of a Champion's Mindset. It was really fantastic. I love what you said right there about, um, I believe you even said it in the in the TED Talk about feedback. You said um, a no was just feedback. And I actually have a saying that there's always a way to yes. I was climbing Kilimanjaro for a charity a few years back. And one of my good buddies, you know, there's 12 of us climbing this mountain for charity to raise a million dollars. And, you know, I was very blessed to be a part of a 12 person team and everyone on that mountain was extremely successful. And like I said, I felt honored to be there, but one of the guys, um, very successful businessman, he said, there's always a way to yes. And that's the way he looked at criticism and kind of similar to what you said about feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, you can imagine in a business where there's more agents than athletes to represent, you're going to get no, and you're going to go after and pour your heart into things and you may get no, and you, you've got to look at that as feedback and, and recognize that it's not a fin final thing. I mean, I had lots of athletes that said no, and then a year or two later came back and said, you know, I signed with these guys that I thought were X, but they're not. Would you consider taking me on? And that's why I also believe that when you get no, if you're really relational and you're really caring and kind in your heart of hearts, you don't stop pouring into that person. You don't stop giving and, and supporting them in ways that you can, because maybe it comes back to help you. Maybe it doesn't. But at the end of the day, you're serving another person that that you care about. And that's fantastic, obviously. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. So many people who listen to this podcast, clients of mine, friends of mine, people who just follow me on social media. I, I say that all the time. I mean, you have to care about your why you have to care about the impact. If you care about the human being, you know, you may get a no five times. I've had clients come to me that I have been kind of going back and forth with on social media for probably two or three years. have never paid me a dime, but I know eventually it'll probably pay off. And worst case scenario, I'm pouring into another human being. So I love that. Do you think that that was one of the keys to your success in the sports agency? I do. I mean, I tell a fun story about how I lived rent-free in Atlanta for nine years, right? And it's a really story about how important it is to add value in advance of when you ask, right? I mean, I believe you sometimes have to act like you have the business before you have the business, right? I mean, in other words, you have to behave in a way that sends a message to the people that you want to work with, that this relationship matters so much to me that in fact, I'm going to give you a little taste of what it might look like. 
And, and, and I found, you know, and, and the things that we can do, they have to come from a place of, of, of love and authenticity, but those things that we can do sometimes, I mean, I had players that, you know, whether it was free water deals or free golf clubs or free, you know, or just taking them to dinner with another client or whatever it might be. And then after a little while, they notice that you care and they notice that you listen to the things that matter to them. And then you attempt to solve some, some of those problems for them that you look around the corner and ahead for them. And, and they get to a point sometimes, not always, but sometimes where they go, man, like you're, you're anticipating the fact that I'm going to have an off day and, you know, in two months in, you know, California, and you know, I love playing golf and you got me a tea time at Pebble. Like, thank you. You know, and by the way, my agent doesn't do any of this for me and I'm paying him. So heck, would, could I work with you? I mean, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of, you know, give, give, give. And, you know, sometimes it comes around and sometimes it doesn't, but it's got to come from a place of, uh, of truly wanting to make their world better in, in the things that matter most to them. And that is anchored in curiosity. It's anchored in listening and understanding what matters most to them. Yeah. And I think it's probably anchored in a little bit of your belief system as well. I know that, you know, faith plays a role in that as well. And, you know, one of the things that I say oftentimes is that like, I'm not always going to do it right. But at the end of the day, if I can lay my head on the pillow and keep my integrity and know like how I can keep moving forward tomorrow better, like you said, 1% better, right? Until my uh, last day on earth is here, I'm just going to try to keep doing it better and better. And I'm never going to get it always right. But if I can keep my integrity and my faith to me is, is a really big deal. Sure. So just being a good human being, I think is really, really helpful. You know, you have a, a lot of people, again, listen to this, you know, they're in the beginning stages of perhaps a business or listening to their purpose. You know, you have a mission statement. I have a mission, a personal one and one for the business. Like when you were starting out either in the agency or in the speaking, the leadership speaking, motivational speaking, have you always known exactly why you were doing what you were doing, like the mission of behind what you're doing? So the purpose statement work came about five or six years ago, where I really began to pull back and recognize, gosh, this is so interesting. Companies have purpose statements. Companies have mission statements. And they, you know, they have them on their walls and they vet their decisions through those. Why don't people? I mean, gosh, we are flooded with opportunities, decisions, choices every single day. And if we had a filter system, wouldn't that be powerful to ensure that we were you know, at some level, making sure that the behaviors that we were making every single day were laddering up to the things in our lives that matter most. So that came about five years ago. You know, for me, what I always loved was number one, I loved being around peak performers, people whose mindset was one of, of this get better, I've never arrived mindset. And, you know, and so I think like all of us, when you're young, you know, you do different things early on in your life and you figure out what you're good at and what you're not good at. And then if you're curious, you listen to what people say, which is, you're, you're, you know, you, you helped me a lot here, or you were good at that, or that was different the way you approach that. And for me, being an agent was, was about taking a, a person who has a really special talent and has hopefully married that with a ton of discipline and intentionality, and recognizing that they have an incredibly unique window of time to do something very special that some of them have thought and dreamed about since they were very young. And for some of them, it's a way out of a very tough circumstance in their life. And 
you know, so for me, it was how can I ensure that that I maximize this window of time for them? And how can I ensure that I take absolutely everything off their plate for themselves and for their families so that they can perform at their best in the moments that matter most? Because, you know, you can't stand over a putt on a Sunday to win a tournament if your personal life is falling apart, if you're physically exhausted, if you're mentally drained, if you're financially unstable. That's hard to do. So how could I put a team around them like they're the CEO of their own business and ensure that they maximized what is so unique? I mean, some of these athletes, as you know, they they make in four, five, 10 years what most people in the world make in 50. And so, and then what, you know, the the the, the interesting piece again, why I believe that you have to follow your heart. You have to listen to the market. You have to trust your gut and you have to continue to pour in and give. And when you do that, it unlocks things. And, you know, it, I, I was, I would sit in my office and all these young kids wanted to be sports agents. You know, they think, oh, that's so cool. You're on all that was great. Well, I get all these young kids that would reach out to me and I would meet with them. And my boss would walk by my office and he'd be like, oh, is that that shortstop from Georgia Tech? And I'm like, oh no, he's a kid studying sports marketing and he's trying to get to the business and I just wanted to help him. You know, the next day, like who who was that girl? And I was like, oh, she's a golfer and she just, you know, I just want to help her. She wants to be, you know, and like the third time he walks by and goes, let me tell you something. I'm not paying you to be all these people's helpers. So, I mean, I'm paying you to go sign athletes and bring. And so I thought, oh my God, but this is so sad because simultaneously I'd go to these cocktail parties with people or see friends or wherever it was. And I'd meet these people that were 30 years old. I was 25 and they're married with two kids and, and they hate their job. And I was like, that's brutal. Like, I, I don't want anybody to hate their job. And God, I got all these young people. So that was when I wrote a book to say, you know, look, worst case, I'll staple this thing together and give it away to all these young kids that call me because he's not letting me meet with them all, but I want to help them. And so I wrote a book and that book, you know, it, again, this wasn't me. I mean, this was God. I mean, there's no way you can script this out. It just doesn't, it's impossible. And so then I started speaking and going, wow, I'm helping a lot of people here. This is interesting. And, you know, and then it just evolved very organically. One in which I can't claim credit for at all. It was, it was a, a path that has been laid and I'm grateful for that. Who do you like speaking to the most? This is not on my list of questions, but who do you enjoy <laughs> speaking to the most? Like, is it businesses? Is it kids? Is it athletes? Like, where do you find like the most excitement? You know, people that truly and authentically want to get better, right? And so that comes in the form of, you know, a lot of sales teams, um, a lot of organizations that, that um, pour into their people, an, an organization full of, of a fairly healthy culture with the people in the room that are happy to be there. All women audiences, I do a ton of keynotes for all women audiences. And of course, that is near and dear to my heart. I mean, as a female in a male dominated industry, as a wife of 22 years to my husband, as a mother of three kids, I feel like I've juggled a lot, like all women often do. And now so many men do as well. Um, you know, conventions where people have raised their hand and said, I'm going to spend X and go to this conference for three days and get better. Those are super fun. Um, you know, to me, every room is full of 
different hearts and souls who are navigating through their own stuff, right? Everybody, I always say, you know, they got stuff coming at them personally, professionally, all the time. We live in this world where it's harder than ever to be present. So, you know, my, my goal it is, is always, right. You walk up on a stage and, and, you know, I'm not famous, so they don't know. And they're like, who's, who's, who is this lady? Right. Like, and I'm busy. I got a lot going on. Like this better be good. Cause I got 40 emails I should respond to. I'm not taking my kids to school today. Cause I'm at this conference in you know, Orlando. And so this better be good. And so my hope inside of that is that they're leaning forward on the edge of their seats. They start sitting down, they end standing up, they laugh, maybe they cry. When all of those things happen, you know you've connected with their heart and soul and you know you've moved them physically, mentally, emotionally, all those things inside of that window of time. And that's, that's always the goal. Well, you've done that so far with me. We've only been doing this like 20 minutes. I'm on the edge of my seat and you're famous to me. So that, that works for me. You know, one thing that you said there is you love talking to a lot of women. You and I both uh, were in very like in my golf career when I was hosting events, you and I both were in a very dominant male industry. And now I work with both men and women, men and women. But, you know, we went through a time where it was like woman, woman, woman. But I find my time with guys was one of the most powerful experiences ever. I feel like I was, I'm so grateful for the strong men that I was around and how they like literally guided me. And yeah, there's a comment here and there, but I'll be honest, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. And I feel like I learned so much as a female being around very successful guys all the time. Did you find some like similar? Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, 90% ish of the athletes I ever represented were men. Yeah. And so, and I, you know, I grew up with two older brothers who treated me like a little brother, definitely not like a little sister. Um, and, and so a hundred percent, I mean, I, I found that they live in this world with men all the time. They're on buses, they're on planes, they're on the road. I mean, there there were guys. And so you, you found yourself as this, you know, you're not their wife, you're not their sister, you're not their mother, but you're this girl. And I played tennis in college. So I certainly didn't play at that level, but I, I I got, I knew what it was like to be serving at five, all 40, all in the third against, you know, and being the one that had to pull it. So I I connected, you know, humbly at, at a much lower level in my level of competition, but I, I I got that a bit. And so I, 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 yes, I'm like you, I made a living and improved my life personally and professionally because of so many incredible men. And for me, one of the things that was always incredibly important is that we signed and worked with, with guys and gals, but the guys, to your question specifically, who were great human beings, who, yeah, John Smoltz can throw a baseball 98 miles an hour and drop it on a nickel, but he's an even better guy. He's an even better guy. You know what I mean? I mean, Matt Kuchar is a great human being. I mean, So, you know, Doc Rivers, Ernie Johnson Jr. I mean, are you kidding me? You're going to lunch with EJ on his way to the the studio and he brings his son, Michael, who can't feed himself. And he drives a minivan and we, uh, you know, we pull Michael out of the minivan and we roll him in and between EJ and I, we feed Michael and we have lunch together. And then, you know, he takes Michael back home and, and then he goes to the studio and his flank between Shaq and Kenny and EJ, you know. I mean, he's an incredible man. So 
you know, 80% of the stuff, and you know this, that we spent time talking about was, was not necessarily the sport that they played. It was the things in their lives that they were working to navigate. So yes, I too, you know, I love my husband the most of all of the men in my life and my father and my brothers, but boy, do I love those guys too. Me too. My husband's the greatest. Um, when you were starting out, were you always as confident as you are now? Or like, I believe that confidence is kind of like a muscle. The more that you use it, the stronger it grows. Um, when you started out in this such male dominated industry and grew the way that you did, how did you grow that confidence in the beginning? Like, what did that, I, I know you've talked a little bit about, you know, um, going to your boss and saying, I think you mentioned it either in a podcast or your TED talk about going to your boss and saying, Hey, like referrals really is good, but why don't we start doing this recruiting thing? Um, have you always had that, like knowing with inside you to be able to like speak up for yourself or grow that confidence to be able to do something that most people probably wouldn't do? If, if not, how, how have you grown the confidence over the years? Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly don't think we're born confident per se, right? Like, I think that it, it is a muscle, 100% agree with you. And I think, you know, for me personally, I think my brothers helped strengthen it for me, right? I mean, I think my dad, my parents, my mom, I mean, they were instrumental in, in, in helping me strengthen that muscle. And, and, and that comes to me, you know, a friend, I had Caddy Kay on my podcast who wrote a book called The Confidence Code. And Caddy talks about how confidence is what it's turning thoughts into actions. And, and so to your point, it's about doing, you know, you can't sit and, and, and lay in bed or sit in a chair and go, I, I'm going to be more confident. I mean, you can send yourself those kinds of messages, but the truth is the muscle really gets built right by, by doing right. I mean, and, and, and by, you know, the more that I negotiated contracts, the, the, the little ones, the 10, the 15, the 20, the, the more confident I got doing the multi-million dollar deals, right. The more the more that you speak, the more confident you get on stage. I mean, the more that you do, the more confident that you get. And so I believe what I, what I always encourage people to do is, you know, little moments of that fear that we sometimes can feel when we're stepping into discomfort, that's actually when we grow. And so we, we want to recognize that that confidence muscle gets built through stepping into moments that are a little challenging, a little tough, give you a little bit of a pit in your stomach. You do it anyway. And you, and sometimes you fail. We learn from those moments or sometimes we, we get it done, but I can promise you, and you know, this, you know, when, when, when guys are, and, and, and gals are standing on free throw lines to drain free throws with a second left in a game to win it, they are very nervous, right? <laughs> they are completely freaking out, right? But they, they trust the process. And the more that they drain free throws like that, the more confident they get. And, 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 and then that muscle gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And it helps you, you know, in, in, in the bigger moments as they, as they come in your life. Yeah. I love that. The, you know, the pillars of everything I believe and teach and coach is decision, faith, and action. And a lot of people make a decision. I'm going to be a sports sports agent. You know, they, they sit and they pray for that opportunity, but I always like the last piece is such an important piece, folks. It's the action piece. You got to take those scary actions. You got to be willing to fail. You got to be willing to try and you just keep building it, building it. You know, you talked about your podcast. Have you had over, you've been doing it since like, 
what, 2017 now? Like a long time. You're like one of the OG podcasts. <laughs> well, I wish I could. I, you know, one of the girls on my team that's been with me for 11 years, I mean, she she came to me and said, I think we need to do this podcast thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, what? what? Talk to me about One that. more thing. Oh yeah, my right. God. But it's been, it's been, it's so fun. As you know, it's a blast. Hey, y'all, it's Christina. I just wanted to pop in here because lately my clients have been absolutely crushing it. They're making way more money and they're actually enjoying what they're doing. And they're actually not doing this one thing that everyone on social media tells you to do. And honestly, I want to teach this to you 100% for free. I'm going to do a live three-day event teaching you this exact thing, the exact things that my clients are doing to make more money, enjoy the process, and the one thing they're not doing that you might think you need to do. So I would love for you to join us. It's going to be a completely free, like I said, completely free three-day live event. All you have to do to sign up is head to the show notes. There's a link in there to sign up or text me the word live, L-I-V-E, to 501-222-3362. Text me the word live to 501-222-3362. And I will send you the link to sign up. You guys, I can't wait to do this. I want to add value to you. So exactly what my clients are doing to make more money, love what they're actually doing, and the one thing they're not doing. I can't wait to see you guys there. Head to the show notes to sign up. Or again, text me the word live, L-I-V-E, to 501 222 Three three six two. Can't wait to see you there. Is there ever been a show that you've just like really resonated with, or is there a couple of people that have just come across and given you just like these aha moments or these wonderful stories? I know I love stories. So is there anything that's been kind of your the best over the last few years? Wow. I mean, who? I mean, we've you better need some great people. I, I definitely know that. But like, has there yeah. any? Has there been any moments that have like really stood out to you? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you kind of a funny one. I, I, well, you know, Dabo Sweeney, head coach at Clemson, super strong Christian man leads the right way. You know, I, what struck me about him because I interviewed him, I think right after he'd won a national championship to, to win at that level in the SCC, ACC, when, you know, but to win a national championship coming out of a tough and competitive and to do it the way he does it was so impressive. And, and, you know, he said, Molly, one of the things I love that he said is, you know, bloom where you're planted. And, and what he told was a story about when he was an assistant coach, but he always had been building this file that if I'm ever a head coach, here's all the kinds of things that I want to do as a leader, as a head coach. And sure enough, they fired the head coach. The AD came down to him and said, hey, look, we just want you to take over the team for the rest of the season. And Dabo said, you know, I, I thought I was taking over the team for the rest of the season but he was ready. In other words, he said, I am going to be, when I'm an assistant coach, I am going to be the very best at this that I can possibly be. I'm going to over deliver. I'm going to execute. So he was the guy that when they needed that person to step into that head job, he had sort of always risen to the top in the role that he was in, right? Like when he was doing that, he wasn't trying to be the head coach. He was trying to be the very best. I think he was an OC at the time that he could possibly be. And so, you know, and, and then he talks about having people and, and we all have people like this, right. That could be that, that are, he had a couple guys in his locker room that were tough. And he said, look, I mean, if I have somebody that's pulling down this culture, this, this family that I'm trying to build, I'm showing them the door. Here's your transfer portal papers. <laughs> Go for it, brother. 
And I, I got gotcha. you. I love you. I'll support you. But I don't think it's working for you here. Like he, it, at, with love and with kindness, he will help find people another home to ensure that he keeps this culture of, of love and kindness. Um, you know, Matthew McConaughey, I mean, here's a guy that, you know, I mean, are you kidding me? Like I couldn't, you know, and so the, the, the hilarious story that I don't think anybody knows, but I, we had a power outage at my home office. A horrible storm, no power. I had to race over to a, a girl that works for me's house and I'm setting up like all my stuff and I've got a baseball hat on because you can't take a shower. I mean, it was a mess. Every podcast I had done to that date, now we're going to video, but every podcast was all, they would call me. Matthew FaceTimes me. Of all <laughs> guests, of all guests to FaceTime you when you've had no power, haven't taken a shower, you have a baseball hat on. Matthew McConaughey. Now I'm happily married, but Matthew McConaughey, I mean, are you kidding? smoking. Yeah, I smoking. agree. <laughs> so, and I'm doing this thing with him and we're, you know, we're typically plus or minus 40 minutes and I'm in it an hour and five minutes. And this guy acts like he has nothing to do, nowhere to go. And I'm thinking, I got to honor his time. I mean, I got to let him go, but he acts like he doesn't want to go, but this is crazy weird. So he blew me away from the perspective of he is so, he's an incredible writer. I loved his book. Um, he is a remarkably authentic. He uses his platform for so much good. He, he's so, he appears to be rem, incredibly grounded. Um, and he was so fully present with a nobody like me on that thing. It was so kind of him. So he was incredible. It blew me away. That's so cool. Just so you know, you're not a nobody to everyone. I'm Matthew so McConaughey, but like, I think it's, I think it's a really big deal. And I'm just so honored that you said yes to be on the show too. You know, Matthew McConaughey, he has all of these superpowers. What's your superpower? What is my superpower? And, and I, I say that with humility. I, I, I'm saying for me, Matthew McConaughey doesn't know my name. And so for <laughs> him to be that present with me was really He cool. loves sports, though. He's a huge he, sports exactly. guy. So he might, like, yeah, I think that was kind of yeah. your hook to get in there, girl. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it might have helped. It might have <laughs> helped. You know, I I would say, I think my my superpower is, is, is probably just human connection. I, I think I can pretty quickly discern people. And understand how to connect in a way that's real and authentic um, and get in their world enough to know what matters to them. And then um, in an authentic way, allow that to be a place in which we can start from to connect. I would agree with that. Just like in the 15, 20 minutes that I've known you, I think that that's a wonderful superpower. I actually think I have a similar one because I yeah, think- Yeah, I do too. I think you when, do. When you have to connect with so many people so fast, I used to hit shots on golf holes all the time. And like, I have a, having a different person like every 10 minutes. And my ultimate goal was out of 144 people, I wanted the first person and the last person to feel the exact same connection. And some people you can like roll up to the team and be like, what's up? You know, yeah. you yeah. guys and whatever. And yeah. then guys, you got to be able to like, and you've got to notice that within like two seconds. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yes. You seconds. So you've obviously had a very successful professional career. I know you're the mom. You've been married for 22 years, you said, and you're the mom of three girls. What is your biggest, like proud success moment in your personal life? 
Wow. Um, you know, I would say it's that I have navigated my career in a way to allow me to be fully present as a mother and a wife. That's cool. And, and, and that is not really all due to, to my, I, I feel very grateful to have incredible parents and my husband is, is, is fantastic. And, and so I would, you know, I would call my mom when my girls were, you know, we had three kids in 12 months, which is insane. So we had one. And then I was, she was five months old. And I found out I was 12 weeks pregnant with twins. Woo. So we had these girls so quick and, you know, I would call my mom and I'm in the midst of my career as an agent running around recruiting, you know, and I'd call my mom and I'd be like, oh, mom, check this out, right? Like we're flying down. We got a boat in Miami. Like we got four or five guys that are at spring training. They're coming over to the boat and then we're flying back and I'll be, up, up, up. and she didn't care. She was like, who's got the girls? Where are the girls? Are the girls good? You know, or I'll call her, hey, mom, yeah, no, I, I'm in, you know, I was in Vegas, I'm in Orlando and I'm going to Dallas. So you've been gone three nights this week, honey. Are the girls good? Like, oh my, these audiences were unbelievable. We crushed it. I was standing away. Da, 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 da. But I thought you only were going to do two keynotes a week, honey. Why are you doing three? So she just constantly leveled me up, which was so good because when you're living in that lane, more so than as an agent, and even now, you know, as a speaker, you can get sucked into that fast lane quick and lose focus on what was absolutely my core value system, which is family. And as a, as a speaker now, I mean, I feel so grateful. I get five, six, 700 speaking requests a year and I do 80 of them, 90 at the most. That's a lot still folks. If you're not paying attention, that is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sits at about two a week. Cause otherwise I get in trouble with my mom. And, and then I take a lot of June and July off at our cottage in Michigan to hang out with my girls. And, and, you know, and the thing that's fun about the speaking circuit is at some level, right. The, you know, the, the Christmas slow, I mean, you're, you're able to be present. So, but, but I would say I'm most proud to answer your question of, of having a, a really special family and having a really incredible relationship with, you know, my daughters, my husband, you know, I talk to my parents still every single morning, my brothers every day. I mean, I, I was on a trip with a girlfriend of mine recently and she was, we were, you know, staying together and whatever and all this stuff. And so, and our daughters were with us, but she said, oh my God, you spend like an hour and a half on the phone every day with your parents and your kids and your husband. How do you do that? Well, if it matters to you, you put energy toward it, you know? And so that for that, I'm, that that's 1000% what matters most. That's so cool. Do you have any advice for someone who is perhaps like in the beginning-ish stages of their career? They're, I, I've chosen not to have kids. My husband and I have been together 19 years, and that was a decision that we, we made. But for those who are listening, and a lot of my audience are moms who are trying to live their purpose and trying to like, you know, have a career outside of Do you have any advice for like when you're starting out and you've got a family at home and you're trying to like keep it all together and you know, do all of the things for all of the people. Do you have any words of wisdom there? I mean, number one is be really gentle on yourself. I mean, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna kill it some days and be like, man, I did it right. I I did the good at work, you know, whatever. And then you're going to have days where you, where you jam it up and that's okay. You know, I do. And, and we all do. And the best of the best do. And you, you know, you be gentle on yourself. Women are very, we are very hard on ourselves. And 
good or bad, right or wrong, a lot of the the home things still often end up dropping in mom's laps, right? Uh, not always, but you know, there are some things and certain things to do, and there's some things, and that's okay. I mean, um, so, but my biggest piece of advice is, you know, people talk a lot about balance and all these things. You know, I think it's about getting really, really clear on what matters most to you. And then having the discipline and the courage to live into that. And that's the hardest part. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to get really clear on what matters most. But once you do that, that now you have to have the confidence and the courage to hit the no button. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that keynote. No, I'm not going to go to that, that sporting event. No, I'm not going to do that because my daughter has a play that day and I want to be there. And it's having the courage and the confidence at some level to manage up, right? To manage down, to, you know, you know, for me, what I always tried to do was I tried to over deliver at work and at home when I can. So that when I'm when I can't, for whatever reason in either spot, I've over delivered enough that there's a little bit of grace there in that moment, right? So clarity and then yes and no, and then the byproduct, I believe. Can, can be an attempt at, at, at some level of balance. Yeah. And to trust that, you know, everything's kind of happening for you. And that if you really, really tr- lean into that and trust that, that it's going to work out, even if in the moment you can't see it. Right. That's why overhead perspective, I think is so. Yeah. And I think it's, important. it's being, it's, it's not, you know, there's going to be days where you're, where you've got more work that you're locking into and less, less family. And then there's going to be days where you get that back, right. With more family and less work. And so it, it's it's not measuring yourself daily and evaluating and beating yourself up daily. It's looking at it over a week or over a month and and assessing any changes that need to be made then. And 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 that you know that's I wrote a book called The Energy Clock, which was really a result of mistakes that I had made that had put me in a place where I was really tired, I was exhausted, I felt a little disconnected at home, and I. I, I had been gone for a week and keynote, keynote, you know, my mom flew in to help. The girls were young at the time. And, and I remember thinking, I don't want to feel like this again. I got to fix this. And that was why I wrote that book, because the book really helps you look at your energy, look at your, look at your energy through, through the lens of your calendar. Because I think business people often obsess about their calendars. Where am I going to be when they accept meetings? Sometimes they accept meetings. They don't even know why they accepted. And then they see them on their calendar and they're like, why am I doing this? I don't need to do this meeting right now. And then they're missing their child's sporting event and they're just frustrated. And so that that was where I found myself. And I thought, I've got to put some bumper pads in. I've got to create some systems to look at my calendar through the lens of energy and create some systems to protect time so that I have the kind of energy for the moments that matter most. And, And that has been remarkably helpful. Awesome. We'll definitely link that book. I have two final questions to respect your time. One, has there ever been a moment where you felt like, oh my gosh, I've made it? (laughs) Like, what was that first moment where you're like, oh my gosh, this is my life? You know, I I don't know that I've ever had it. And, And in part, well, in part because I, I really feel like I'm just getting started every day. I mean, I just feel like every day, there's so much more to contribute, so much more to give, so much more to do, you know, so many more people to serve. Um, and, you know, it's so much work to be done as a wife, as a mother for our girls. I mean, they're 18, 18, 19, you know, I, there's a lot of work to be done still there. Right. So, 
Um, I haven't. I don't know that I ever will, though, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I really don't. I think that is the way, you know, it's, it's a little bit of that TED talk, right? It's this, you know, I, I'm not done every day. It's about just getting a little bit better, doing a little bit more, giving a little bit more, showing up a little bit, a little bit better version of the person that you were the day before. So. Cool. But there was no, like, no one, like, amazing moment. Like, I don't know, like, did one of your players or anything like win the masters or stand like on the Super Bowl field or anything where you're almost like inside the moment going, wow, this is so cool. You know, yeah. I mean, I would say, so, so I, I wouldn't have prop, I wouldn't probably define it as, oh my God, I've made it. Okay. But what I would say there have been really special moments. So a really special moment was when a member was kind enough to take myself and my dad to play Augusta National. And that, as you know, was really special because my dad is the main, he's awesome. And to watch him walk that and now to watch him watch the tournament. And then he took both my brothers and my husband for me. And that now all the, all the men in my life recovered, right? I was like, I got it. I'm good. So that was really, really, really special. Um, You know, I I would say to either there have been certain events where you know you 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 come up on stage people are busy what do you got what do you got and you know there's like, like maybe there was there was this one event and there was I think there was like five thousand people seven thousand people and you finish and they just stand up to their feet and clap and you know you think oh my gosh praise God I've connected with them I've I, they, it, they got it. Like it worked. It, 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 you know, and that is probably one of the coolest things is when you feel like they have just been completely energized and inspired by what you in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes shared from that's the stage. So cool. That's, that's pretty special. I remember when I sent my dad and my grandpa to uh, the masters for the first time, you're right. It's just like this moment, a playing is different, but you know, they've, yeah. they've now been a few times. That's so cool. So the final question I always ask everyone is this is, was there ever a decision that you were afraid to make that once you made it, it turned out better than you expected, or perhaps it didn't. And what lesson did you learn? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when, when I left the agent business, I mean, I was in a really good spot. I mean, I had a great team, you know, I worked for an incredible organization and, you know, 300 athletes, a team of agents. I mean, it was, it was rocking. Right. But I, my heart was telling me, I think you got something here that you could control your schedule more. You could make a bigger impact. And I started asking myself, like, do I want to go to my grave and have made you know, X amount of dollars or negotiated, you know, however many millions or billions of dollars, or do I want to go to my grave knowing that I've changed million or billion people's lives? And that was a pretty easy answer for me. And so, you know, when I left this, you know, very comfortable career that, that most people in the world were like, dude, that's like the greatest job ever. And stepped into this, you know, entrepreneurial space and you know, it it has absolutely been, you know, I, I, I mean, looking back, I mean, I probably should have done it a couple years sooner than I did it. Um, you know, now, I mean, I have five books and we have a wonderful podcast and, you know, the speaking and we've taken two of my books and turned them into training products. So we deliver training that helps organizations go deeper with the content they've heard from, from maybe a keynote for me on the stage or organizations that haven't even hired me to speak. We train, you know, thousands of people a year all over the world. Um, in multiple languages on energy and negotiation specifically right now. 
you know, so, so it, it, I, you know, I believe I get to wake up every day and live into my passion, which is, which is speaking and then leading a team of people who are really gifted and good at what they do that have helped scale um, my content in a way to make a deeper uh, connection with, with, with people that we serve, with companies, with brands that we serve. So it's been awesome. So cool. Thank you so much for being here. I loved it. It was awesome, girl. Next time we got to play some golf. Yeah, girl. I'm in. Thank you all so much for joining me on today's episode of the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. If today's episode resonated with you at all, please share it with a friend. Also, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. What is it that you want us to talk about that will help you realize that at any moment and any day, you too can decide it's your turn. I'm Christina LeCure. I'll see you next time.